This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Alex Ferrario join in studio. So we've got... Um We've got a couple of our guys out on location. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie, obviously, in Toronto for the game tonight. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> unbelievably, so last night, uh, as we're, you know, making sure we're good for the podcast today, Jeremy Rutherford, uh, Mr. Uh, name Dropper Extraordinaire, Just name drops, starts sending us pictures from Robert Thomas's parents' house. Yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> hey, this is Robert Thomas's parents. This is his old ice rink in his backyard. Jr., were you just big timing us for Robert Thomas's parents? <laughs> and I don't even believe that he said anything along the lines of, "Hey, dudes." I won't be in there tomorrow. I think he just hit us bam, bam, bam with the pictures. Just straight. I'm at Robert Thomas's place. Have fun on your podcast tomorrow. Dude. Like what the hell? That's so really great though, man. And 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 that is a guy that man, he is always and you are too, but I mean, JR is always in motion. Yeah. And I think he went to the the Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. Skip the Montreal game and then will be in the press box tonight for Toronto. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, correct. Yeah, he did Buffalo and then I believe he went to Robert Thomas's uh, house for that off day when they were in Buffalo to meet with the parents and start his story. And then now he's in Toronto, kind of continuing because I would imagine being from Toronto, Robert Thomas is going to have family and friends in attendance for that game. Oh yeah. So like this is a story that Jr's doing, um, and this is what I love about Jr's piece. What I love about the Athletic, but specifically with Jr. Because a lot of people just look at the game and want the story. But, man, JR always goes bigger picture and finds, like, the area of the team that's taking place and what people are talking about and brings a different light to it. So instead of covering the team for all three games, he's covering the team for two games. But then he's also giving you a behind-the-scenes look at who Robert Thomas is. And they also do a really good job, man, of, like, um, hyper-focusing on a certain particular area. Yes. Hey, the Blues are winning, uh, and the power play's better. How is the power play? You know right. what I mean? Like, they really go into the X's and O's of it. So if you want to get that deep, you're able to do And that. he talks to people that you don't normally hear from. Like, jr has got such good relationships to where he'll have a conversation with Brad Richards, who's the consultant with the power player. He'll talk to Paul Stastny about how Robert Thomas is viewed around the National Hockey League. Like, that's just areas you don't get. As great as it is, and don't get me wrong, Luke Korak, Matt DeFranks, they do incredible work in yeah. terms of giving you the locker room perspective. But to be able to get an outsider's perspective or to be able to get somebody who played the game that's just looking at it as a fan now, that's what I've always loved about what JR does and the athletic. Well, also, too, and I don't know if you had a chance to do this. You've been inside your house for the last week, so you <laughs> probably have. Uh, but, like, I think it was yesterday, there was an article in The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun did it, but it was about um, – all of the, the coaching changes, yeah. interviewed uh, Craig Berube, interviewed um, uh, Dean, Evanson. Yeah, Dean Evanson. Like, like it was just really yeah. freaking, just a really good look from an other side, from a different perspective that we're not going to have. Yeah. These coaches have that unique perspective, and you get it, and it's just a really great read. It, it really is, especially hearing from Craig Berube, who, by the way, is doing scouting for the Blues. Like, I oh. – so – so the the Philadelphia Flyers reporter, when the Blues were in Philly, had put something out saying like, oh, Berube's here uh, scouting for the Blues. And I thought that was like tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, he's in attendance and he's watching for the Blues because he's still paid. But Doug Armstrong, who was on the fast lane last week, told them that, yeah, Berube's still doing some scouting for us. Huh. So.
So, like, I thought that was really cool to get a perspective from a coach that was fired with Pierre LeBron's piece, but also knowing, like, but he's still got the relationship with the Blues and he's still working for him. Please tell me something about Craig Berube that will make me not like him. I don't know that there's any friggin' there thing, man. There's and like not. the thing that I that, that I'm uh, completely afraid of is where he gets his next head coaching job because that is going to be tough to not root for that dude wherever the hell he goes. You just got to pray he goes to an Eastern Conference yeah, team. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. like an Eastern Conference team, not in the Western Conference. Please, not specifically in the Central Division. Please. Which I don't think the Central Division would. Colorado's locked. Dallas is locked. Winnipeg's locked. I don't think they're going to move on from what they got in Arizona. Minnesota just did a firing. Right. Um, Nashville, their Nashville's guy's pretty new. good with what they've got right now. So, yeah, I don't think he would be anywhere. Maybe Chicago, but I don't know if Chicago would do a Craig Berube hiring because they're still so far away. Right. It's still so, so early in that rebuild. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought the LA Kings were going to be the perfect spot for him when they fired um, Todd McClellan, but maybe Berube doesn't want to do an in game hire again. Maybe he wants, or an in season hire. Maybe he wants to wait for the offseason to kind of take it all in and figure out where's best. I want to ask about, obviously I want to go to the Blues here real quick because we have a lot of great stuff to talk about. Um, But what in the hell happened with the Kings? And I know they've won a couple of since the coaching change. I know that it's not the slide that it was when they were here. But yo, man, there was like two months where they were one of the best teams in the league. And then, I mean, the flipping floor fell out. What happened and... Going forward, how do you view this Kings team as the wild card one while the Blues are in that wild card two position? So, uh, what happened to them? They've had they had players who underperformed. Like they put a lot of they moved all of their chips into the middle of the table with Pierre Luc Dubois. And Dubois was just terrible for two months. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why they were bad, he was, in my opinion, conspiracy theory. He was the guy that Drew Doughty was calling out when he was talking about guys that are with worried about points. their points. Yeah. But I think that was part of it. But really, the biggest narrative is what we talk about when teams are bad. It's goaltending. Like, look at Cam Talbot's numbers the first two months of the season. He was an all-star. I can't deny what he did in two months. But then look at what he's done in the last couple of months. I think I looked at this when the Blues played the Kings, that in the first chunk, the two months of the season, he was like one of the sixth best goaltenders in the National Hockey League in terms of save percentage. And then within like the last month and a half, he was like one of the third worst goalies wow. in the National Hockey League. Now, some of that could be defense. Sure. I don't watch every L.A. Kings game, but I mean, I know who Cam Talbot has been in his career, and it's been a fluky good guy at times and then not a great guy at others. So, I mean, they've got the team that's good for it. Maybe the team stopped listening to their coach. I just never buy into the coach being the problem. I think it's more the players in the locker room that aren't adjusting to what the coach is talking about. But I, the Kings for me specifically were a goaltending problem. And I, I think the Blues catch the L.A. Kings for that top wildcard spot. For the way that the Blues are playing, and I know the Kings have gone on a little bit of a hot streak, but they got the new coach bump. How long does that last? Right, right. All right, so right before the break, Blues played the the uh, Blue Jackets. Yeah. And honest to God, and I'm not just saying this, that might have been one of the worst hockey games that I have watched in my entire life. I'm so glad that I chose to go to Disney World and let Grant Francis do that game. Dude, it was it was, it was was brutal. Also, I got to stop saying dude because my oldest son said that he had trouble listening to the podcast because I said it so really? much. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come so on, I got so I to <laughs> edit myself. But you know what? It's good to have somebody in your yeah, life that yeah. will tell you that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, but the team, it was just a bummer because they had been playing so well. Yeah. And that game, they just looked like they were already gone yeah like on the beach out which makes sense so you're a little you know when you get the buffalo game coming up you you've been off for a week and a half 
You had that turd right before the break. Right. How is this going to look? Well, they played Buffalo. They played well in Buffalo, and then they just absolutely laid a whooping <laughs> on the Canadians. And, man, and I'll tell you, one of the best parts about this is that there have been times this year, early in the year, where we have been so frustrated because it looks like the Blues don't care. It, it just, eh, we're losing, bummer, we get behind, whatever. That team, especially in Montreal, they were playing like they were mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. <laughs> like it would but, but but you know what I'm saying? There would be times last year, early this year, where there would be a play, a blues player that would get hit, that would get chopped, something. And he would be the only one there. And there'd be three, four guys on the other team, but one blue yeah. player there. That ain't happening anymore, mm-hmm. Jack. And it's an amazing thing to see. They were it looks like they are playing for each other at this point. So whatever had to happen with the coaching change, whatever, it seems to really be clicking. You nailed it. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, they look like they have gelled as a team compared to what they were a month ago. That Columbus Blue Jackets one, like, I didn't see the whole thing. I caught snippets of it because I was gone. But... That was the prototypical trap game. You were a day away from an all-star break. You had just went on probably one of your best runs of the season where you went on that road trip through Western Canada and walked out of there with about as much success as you can ask with points in every single game, and then you beat the L.A. Kings. That was a game that you were probably feeling your way through and thinking like, you know what? I'm out of it, but let's just get two points. And then you get to the third period, one little bouncer goes in and nothing goes your way. What sucks about that is the difference between winning seven of your last eight and being on an eight-game win streak is that Columbus Blue Jackets game. But props to the Blues team for coming out of that break. 11 days off is not easy, Donnie. I can't imagine. Like 11 days off. We've seen in the past, not just the Blues, but teams, there is some dry spell that comes out of that where you're still trying to get back into the swing of things. You know, you hadn't been on the ice for a while because they're not allowed to skate until a certain day. So... The way that they played against Buffalo, I was thinking like, man, you didn't have your best legs, but you still outplayed Buffalo for two of the three periods, and then you just threw it at Montreal. And I'll go back to something Drew Bannister said about that Buffalo Sabres game that I thought played into the Montreal game. Curbs asked him on pregame, what does this team need to focus on coming out of the All-Star break? And Drew Bannister said, we need to forget about the plays that make us highlight real plays. We need to stop making plays that rely on skill and start making plays that rely on brain. And what he means by that is you're not going out there trying to make that extra pass or make that extra move on a defenseman so that you can get into the offensive zone. You're going out there and relying on forecheck. You're relying on net front presence. You're relying on getting the puck out of your zone on a smart puck decision. And you're relying on fighting for your teammates. Now look at those two games as a whole blocking shots. I mean, getting into fights like Jake Neighbors did at the end of that game because he just had it with the players. The Blues, all of the goals that they scored in the power play in those two games, Donnie, go back and watch them. They are all standing in front of the net. The Blues, for whatever reason, have shifted away from this highlight reel style to this gritty no BS style of hockey, and it's working for them. It's why they picked up so many points. It kind of seems as though When Barubi took over, and they, you know, and and we're starting the 2019 Magic or whatever, there was a point, and I don't exactly remember when it was, that you started to go, boy, this team, 
feels like a Craig Baruby led team. I remember when it was. It was in January. It was in the West Coast because they had lost a game to the LA Kings. And I remember doing post game saying this team is going to start winning because they played that style yeah. where they were physical. They were blocking shots. They lost by one goal. And I was thinking this team's starting to figure it out. It seems like Drew Bannister has this sort of quiet understated yet seething intensity mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i feel like the team might be starting to reflect his personality a little bit because especially sunday they looked pissed off yeah. and they were winning I, you know? I mean, I mean, I, look what i'm about to say now i want people to understand i am not comparing the two i'm not taking anything away from drew banister because i think he has done a phenomenal job but Bannister's got a lot of Baruby in him. Uh-huh. Baruby's got a lot of Bannister. Like, they seem to be the same person. Yeah. Now, Bannister, in my opinion, is... Uh, he he explains it a little bit deeper. He's a little bit more calmer, at least, at times, than what Baruby... Like, Baruby could get hyped up pretty quick. We've seen that a lot. Right. Bannister seems to be a lot more level-headed and calmer. But, I mean, the intensity is the same way. Drew Bannister doesn't take any BS. Drew Bannister, we've seen him chew out officials in certain situations, specifically in that Montreal Canadiens game. And go back and listen to a lot of his post games. Like He calls out the team when yeah. they are bad. Like, that's what Barubi used to do. So, again, I'm not taking anything away. I'm not saying they're the same person yeah. or Bannister stealing what Barubi's doing. But he's got a lot of what Craig Barubi did with the Blues, which is why I think the players are playing this way. But I'll say this too, Donnie, the Blues are just playing a pissed off style. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is from, I think a lot of that is emulating from the way that Jake Neighbors plays. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Let me, and I'm not trying to interrupt what you're going to say. All right. No, you're going to say what I'm going to say. How old is this young man right <laughs> 21 now? 21 years old. 20 free. He is 21, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I love him so much. I know. I'm, I'm like, I, I, the way in which that he plays is just phenomenal. To have the kind of skill that he that he possesses, the drive, everything that this dude does, and he's still a kid. Mm-hmm. He's still freaking learning the freaking game. This is so incredible. And then also too, and I know we've talked about him before, and and, and we will continue to. But I really hope that people are appreciating. What you are seeing from Robert Thomas, mm-hmm. you are seeing a general, a guy go from a good, very good player to a great elite type yep. player. It just seems like this is all kind of working. Let me ask you a couple questions here that I was thinking about. So I have been very much, and a lot of this due to the salary cap situation, but I have never been a, a huge proponent of Tory Krug. Okay. Now that said, <laughs> that said. You pointed out a while ago that when the Blues brought up Matt Kessel and that those two playing together have been a really good pair. Mm -hmm. And then you see homeboy get five freaking assists against the Canadians. So is this a player that I'm way too eager to move on from? For Scott Perunovich, who we still just don't know if he's ever going to be able to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, should we be envisioning this moving forward with Tory Krug as a key component? I think I'm being pretty dumb here by saying that I, but just because the, the amount of the, the reason that I have talked about him so much as being the one to go is because of how much salary cap money that the dude eats up. Period. End of story. Yeah. But then that said, I don't know that that's skill yeah. that we want to lose. And then when we talk about this grit, he looks like. A jerk. That's, it. <laughs> that, but that's the that's the part that I 
I have second-guessed myself because I'm not going to be a hypocrite right now and say, like, no, you can't get rid of... I, I was the one that thought Tory Krug would be the one that got moved, and some of it was because of them trying to move him in the offseason, but some of it was because you weren't getting the point production from him, and if he's not going to provide that, Justin Falk has provided the point production. You did have Scott Perunovich. Now you had Nick Letty. Like, what were we doing here? But when Doug Armstrong held his press conference when Craig Berube was fired, and he talked about the defensemen, and he talked, he specifically named Tory Krug and said, like, he is somebody that shows up every day with an attitude and an aggressiveness that this team needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But then, like, watch him. Tory Krug takes extra hacks at people. Tory Krug takes extra punches at people. And what's the one thing for the last two years we've been complaining about? Nobody does anything when a goalie gets chipped or something like that. Tory Krug's not afraid to do it. You might not like him because he's making $6.5 million and you expect him to be putting up 50 or 60 points. But Tory Krug plays with an attitude that this Blues team needs. Yeah. And now let's take into how he has performed since Drew Bannister has taken over. I think a lot of it is because of him playing with Matthew Kessel. Tori Krug and Justin Falk, although they have had their really good time together, they're both offensive-minded defensemen. Mm-hmm. So you've got both guys that their game relies on jumping up into the rush. Their game isn't stopping plays in the back end. Their game is getting involved in the offense and creating it. That did not work this season and last season between Krug and Falk. There were a lot of times that you saw the odd man rush as the backdoor tap-ins because they were trying to get the puck out of the zone. Now, put a stay-at-home defenseman that, by the way, Joe Vitale was talking about this on the broadcast, scouts are starting to take notice of Matt Kessel, being like, this is a legit defenseman that the Blues have. This is one of those hidden gems that Blues fans always want. Matt Kessel is it. But Matt Kessel playing with Tory Krug, I think he's been on the ice for like three goals against since he and Tory Krug have played together. Oh my god! Like I think it's only three or four that he's been on the ice against playing with Tory Krug. Tory Krug is the offensive defenseman. Matt Kessel is the stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. And now you have a duo that you can trust in any type of situation. So I'm not saying that the Blues should move on from him. I'm not saying that the Blues should keep him. What I'm saying is last year's opinion of Tory Krug being $6.5 million and you got to get rid of that, I'm not sure that that opinion is the same for me right now because Tory Krug is an impactful player for this Blues team, at least in this last month and a half. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One of the players in which that um, I have so uh, generously written off as well as somebody that's not going to be a part of the Blues' future, not because we don't love him, but because of potential salary cap implications and what have you, is um, Pavel Buchnevich. Yeah. Got a year left after this year. You know, one of the things that we've talked about before, hey, if the Blues can get a haul, do you want to trade him with a year left? I think I'm thinking about this a little differently. Yeah. Do you think there's any way that we could call the agent and go, hey, you know those hometown discounts that everybody's talking about? I know that this isn't your hometown, but but, but we really think we've got something special brewing here. We would love for you to be a part of this. Do you think there's any, any chance... That he is around, I just, I just, and you know what, man, and, and I could be completely wrong, and it just be my love of that guy, mm-hmm. but holy Jesus H, <laughs> I love watching that guy play, and he has been phenomenal yeah. since Drew Bannister came. He in. really has. He, he, had a, he had a dry spell there for a while where I was like, man, do you really want to pay this guy $8 million? And now I would say within the last like eight to 10 games, he's really starting to turn it on. So that's a good thing to see. To your to your question, I do think that there's a chance that Booch could stay in St. Louis for a cheaper price than what we're giving him credit for. Booch just doesn't seem like that guy like uh, Artemi Panarin that's going out to the market to get the most money possible. Like Booch seems like he wants to be, at least just from talking with him a few times and seeing him around the team, he wants to be somewhere that he meshes well with. Now, does that mean that his agent doesn't tell him, like, hey, you're a point-per-game player, you could get eight-plus million dollars? If, you, if I'm him, I'm going to go get eight-plus million dollars sure. no matter where I go. So you, the Blues can't talk to him until the end of the season because they can't start talking to him until he's one year away from free agency, which is next year. Okay. So this offseason, like July 1st, I believe, is when they can start talking to him. So between now and then, nothing's going to change. Now, maybe there's discussion between Booch and his agent, but I, not from the Blues' perspective. I don't. The, the Blues aren't trading him at the deadline unless a team comes in and says, "Hey, we're going to give you Leon Draisaitl for Pavel Buchnevich." It's not happening. Mm-hmm. They'll stick it out this season, especially if you're in a playoff race. You're not going to change anything. The off season is where I think it's going to be very interesting because when the conversations take place, if I'm Booch, and this is just me, there's no reporting here, but if I'm Booch, Robert Thomas has got eight million dollars. Jordan Cairo has got eight million dollars. Yep. You're viewing me as one of your top line players. Eight million dollars. Yeah. Booch is also going to be 30 years old when his contract is up. Which I cannot forget about. And I and Doug I Doug Armstrong is not the biggest fan of six, seven, eight million eight year deals for 30 year old players. Now, yeah, no can it be a five year deal, a four year deal for eight million dollars? Absolutely, because that would probably be in the window that they're talking about. The hard part for me to decipher all of this is what are you going to get for him? We've talked a lot about what the return could be, but what does your team look like without him? That's the other part that I I have to kind of fathom in my head because you trade Pavel Buchnevich, we're already talking about how the team is probably lacking one top six winger. Mm-hmm. Now you trade Buch. Who's that other top six winger? Because if you look at the free agent market, there's not a whole lot out there this offseason. Next offseason, there's more. This offseason, not much. Snuggerud, I think, is going to be a part of the team next year. I think he's going to be a part of the team this year if there's a playoff race. But do we think Bull Duke is going to be there? 
Do we think Dvorsky's going to be there or a Stenberg? I would say no. no. They're not going to rush any of these guys. So if you feel like, I mean, if you make the playoffs this year, you're taking steps forward. If you get rid of a top six winger and don't bring back a younger, controllable top six winger, isn't your team taking a step backwards? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the real hard part that I think you got to decipher from. I don't want to see them trade away Pavel Buchnevich. Right. You trade away Pavel Buchnevich, your team's in a worse spot than they were with him. But I understand when teams look at that and say, like, you can't pass up a massive offer, and the right. Blues do realize that there's a window of two years before they feel like they can compete. It's a tough one. Boy, oh boy. This is one of those tough moments when you're – you're at a fork road of an organization where it's like, man, do we make this move? Does it better our team for the future? Or if we make this move, are we going to look back saying, like, this set us back five right. years? Right. It's the, the thing about it is, though, even if he would have to move on or they would – whatever, you know, I, I see why. And I feel like this is a part of me getting emotionally attached to the player. Understand. You know what I mean? When I see him, and I think I've said this to you before – I see the Saturday Night Live skit with Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd with the wild and crazy guys. I just I see yeah. that with Booch, That's man. Him. And just also, too, I just really appreciate, you know, what he has brought to this team, man. I just, just love the absolute freaking hell out of this yeah. guy. All right, so let's get to a bunch of stuff here. Um, first of all, I don't even really know what to make of this. I mean, I think I know what to make of this. But Vladimir Tarasenko, changing agents again. Is that the fourth agent that he's had within the last two years correct yikes so why i I, honestly is this a case of the player thinking his value is higher than these agents or what is vladdy so unhappy with you i'm not sure because the report that i saw yesterday was vladdy hasn't turned down the opportunity to return to the ottawa senators so i mean like you look at the the tea leaves and and jamie would be able to answer this better than me because he's had an agent i've never had one but like you look at the tea leaves vladimir wanted a bigger contract a longer term contract this offseason and he didn't get it he had to sign a one-year deal with ottawa maybe he felt like the agent that he had wasn't providing him the 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 absolute best contract negotiations that were out there, and so he thought, I need to get with somebody else. But, man, it's wild to go through that many agents in that little amount of time. But look at look at what took place. He was in New York. He loved New York, didn't get to stay in New York. Then he went to the offseason, didn't get a big long-term contract. Then he signed with the Ottawa Senators for one year, and now he's in the trade discussion conversations once again. Again, yeah. So maybe if you're Vladdy, you're just thinking, man, I just want to be somewhere and I just want to stay somewhere. What? Because Vladdy is a family guy. Like, what people remember about him in St. Louis is he loved St. Louis, but more importantly, he wanted his family to be happy and secure where they were at. And now you've moved from three teams in less than a year. That's a lot for Vladimir Tarasenko. So maybe he's just looking at this as like, dude, I just need an agent that could get me somewhere for long term so I can stay and just put my roots down yeah. and be there. Well, which but I understand. If you're Vladdy, I'm not sure if there's a lot of teams that are going to be willing to deal those out if you're not the player that's putting up 35 goals a season. Because there's no way. Or does this just look bad from the fan angle? And the general managers oh, yeah. and the and the players, folks, they don't think about it the same I, way. I, would, I think you're right on with that. I think this looks bad for the fan angle. I don't think it... I don't think it's that big of a deal for players. I just think because of social media, they report when guys move from different agents, and so you see it all the time. I I don't know this to be a fact, but I would imagine there are players in the past, current, future 
that move agencies an awful lot. I just think the fan perspective is, oh, man, you've gone. It's the same thing if you get traded to a bunch of different teams in a little amount of time. You're thinking, oh, well, that guy must be a problem if yeah. he's getting moved so much. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the teams just didn't like him. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, Blues are in Toronto tonight. Yeah. Taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. Who will not have their number one defenseman, Morgan Riley. That's right, and has like 18 different goaltenders that they don't know who they want to use. I, I Listen, I understand hockey. I very much respect unwritten rules in sports, even though I know that they can be silly sometimes. I think the way that Morgan Riley sent the message with the cross-check to the head of the Ottawa player was so bogus, and I don't, as much as I don't think the kid should have taken the slapper in the empty net, I do not think that that's justification for Morgan Riley almost decapitating this kid. Right. And I really have issues with the with. I honestly, when I saw the Sheldon Keith thing after the game, and he said that he didn't have a problem with it, and I saw Ryan Reeves say exactly the same thing, I was yeah. like, I think you dudes are friggin' wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it makes you look like a jackass coach, even though you have to kind of say that because it's your player. But Ryan Reeves, you got put out on the ice and didn't do anything. Right. So I, I just, I hate that. Because, like, I don't know, man. I, I want to know what you think of it. It just leaves a really sour taste in my mouth. I don't like it. And I don't like that people try to make this justification for it because he broke this unwritten friggin' rule. Right. And for people that don't know, so the empty net in Toronto, Shane Pinto had the empty net. It was closing out the game. And instead of just pushing it in, he took a slap shot, which kind of was a middle finger to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Morgan Riley took exception to it and skated at him and literally put the stick, the middle of his stick, into Shane Pinto's face. And that's what took it to the level of where you get the five, at least five-game suspension. I don't know what they gave him. It's an in-person one. Yeah, because so I don't even know that we know yet. I don't do think we? they've come to it. It's an in-person yeah. hearing, which means it's a minimum of five games. Look, from what Ryan Reeves said, I understand what he's saying. And, yes. and Ryan was just like, look, the league is changing. A lot of these young guys come in that don't treat it the same way that they did when Ryan Reeves was in the game. Get it. But welcome to younger players coming into the league. Like, this is going to happen. My, I, I, did, I hated the, 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 the play by Morgan Riley. I think it was, a, I think it was a, a soft, scared play by somebody who wasn't willing to fight. And I, I'm, this is me saying this, who is afraid if somebody drops the gloves at me. But, like, if you're Morgan Riley, rather than skate over and cross-check him in the face, why not just drop the gloves and grab him and start punching him? Yeah. What is the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is. Not a five-game suspension. Maybe a game misconduct. Maybe you get fined. That's it. Yeah. But instead, now you're going to be out for, at minimum, five games because you were afraid to go over there and drop the gloves and grab them and start punching them. And your team does not need no. you to be missing those games. No. He is their number one, right? He, like, he, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's their point producer. He's their defenseman. And now you've just screwed your team in a playoff race. When all you had to do was to send the same message of what you did by cross-checking him in the face— is to go over there, drop the gloves, and start punching them. You're sending the exact same message. But now, now you're viewed as a dirty player in the National Hockey League. Now you've just screwed your team out of maybe six, seven games because you're not available, which could be a playoff race or a playoff position. Yeah. All because you had to go over and cross-check them. Like, first of all, that's the reason Ryan Reeves is on that team. Yes. So Morgan Riley— And signed to a three-year deal for some yeah. crazy freaking I mean, reason. I just don't understand why Morgan Riley— And he was on the ice at the time. I understand it. But Morgan Riley, 
You go over there, you you start a scrum, you get in his face, and then you let the rest of the game take place. Or you you let it you do something. I just wish you would have fought. Yeah. I hate the fact that that's what we go to and we go and cross check the guy in the face because that makes zero sense to me. You look like a dirty player, and now you have that bad rep for the rest of your career. Man, a hundred percent. Again, the message can be sent. I'm fine with that. Right. It, but but the way in which that it was, and, and I'm I, not. And I know Jamie put the video out the night that it happened talking about, like, yeah, in in the 90s, that's exactly what used to take place. You used to take a cross-check to the face, but they don't do that anymore yeah. because those are penalties. Those are game misconducts. That means you're going to be suspended. But you know what's still allowed? Fighting in the NHL. And Shane Pinto is not one that wants to get into a fight. He's not a fighter. Neither is Morgan Riley, but at least you go in there with the same aggressiveness and you make sure he understands that that you made the bad mistake of what you did on the ice. I understand Sheldon Keefe defending his player because yeah. he's the head coach. I mean, I, I think any coach probably would have done the same thing. But the problem was the problem was Morgan Riley or the problem was just everyone acting as if it was the normal thing to do in that situation. Yeah. It wasn't. There was so many other things that could have taken place. All right. So, um, and, and they just lost in the last week or so, but the Oilers were on that incredible oh, yeah. streak where they almost broke the NHL win uh, uh, streak record. Mm-hmm. But here is my question to you: Even with them doing that, and I would very much invite you to tell me that I'm wrong, and that's completely fine. <laughs> but I still think that Vancouver is better and a threat to go deeper than the Oilers. Oh, yeah. Who's got the better goaltender? I mean, it's Vancouver. I mean, yeah, it's Thatcher Demko versus Stuart Skinner. I mean, I think Edmonton is a dangerous team. And I don't mean to say that they're not. No, I know. And and especially if the rumors are true that they're going to go hard after Jake Gensel. Like, holy baby. Like, watch out offensively, but... I mean, you still didn't fix your problems, right? Defense and goaltending. Although Stuart Skinner's been playing great and their defense has been playing great. I just don't buy into Edmonton because I don't buy into Stuart Skinner and I don't buy into their game defensively because in the playoffs, the only way you win hockey games are when you worry less about the points and worry more about the 200-foot game the way like Ryan O'Reilly did in that Stanley Cup final or Alexander Steen or Jaden Schwartz. I don't know if McDavid can do that in a playoff run. I'm not sure Stuart Skinner can take you take you through f- three rounds to get to a Stanley Cup final like that that doesn't seem logical to me compared to Vancouver now I think Vancouver's making the same mistake the New York Rangers made last year especially with their trade of getting Elias Lindholm and it sounds like they're still trying to make other moves I think you're putting too many chefs in the kitchen there and you're going to get guys that are worried about points that aren't going to produce and it's going to hurt Vancouver. I always feel like the team that does the least amount at the trade deadline is the team that's the most dangerous going into a playoff run. Well, because I never even thought about it until after, maybe not last year, the year before, whichever the year was that the the Rangers loaded up. That was Okay, okay, okay. Tarasenko, Kane. And then the the chemistry in which Mm -hmm. that they had previously – out the window yep. when you when you get these these new players in there. Yeah. I never thought about how big of a deal that that could be, mm-hmm. but boy, it really can be, especially when it's a major player. You know, getting into your top six, getting into your power play. Yeah, That's because a- then you got a lot of then you got a lot of, for lack of a better word, divas that look at it as well. I was a top six winger, and now you're bringing somebody else in, and now I got to play in the bottom six and not get my ice time. Well, I'm not going to play the same way that I was playing. Like. It's a tough thing to navigate through, which is why I'm always so skeptical about those teams that 
make three separate moves and say, now we're ready to go win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, that mean, that makes sense. Uh, well, and really exciting news um, over the break. Uh, the Blues are going to play in the Winter Classic yep. against the friggin' Blackhawks. That's awesome, man. At God dang Wrigley Field. I can't wait. Um, I have, uh, you know, I, I'm not somebody that's been to a lot of ballparks and a lot of stadiums, uh, but I have had the chance to go to Wrigley Field, uh-huh. and it is... I think by far the greatest place I've ever been yeah. sports-wise. I went when I was 13 years old in grade school for an eighth-grade trip, and it still resonates to me how memorable that trip was to see Cardinals-Cubs at Wrigley Field. And I, I went when I was 13. That was, that was 20 years ago. That I mean, that tells yeah. you how impactful that was. And now to think about them playing at Wrigley Field for a winter classic, and, and this is the part that I think people are, aren't taking the, into consideration, Donnie, this isn't just Blues and Blackhawks in the Winter Classic. This is like the new generation of Blues and Blackhawks. Yeah. Because Connor Bedard, they're going to have some other top picks that are going to be playing in that one. Yeah. You're going to have Jimmy Snuggerud next year. You're going to have all of these young players. Like, this isn't just Blues, Blackhawks. This is like what the next 10, 15 years of Blues, Blackhawks are going to look like. And you're starting off that rivalry at Wrigley Field. I think that's so cool to think about. I need for Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo or one of these young bucks, Jake Neighbors, to hate Connor Bedard. And for Connor Bedard <laughs> to hate, you know what? I'm going to call it Jake Neighbors. Yeah. I, oh, want them, I want them to hate each other. So we have got a decade yeah. of watching them get after it. You that just, sounds amazing to you me. You just need another wakey-wakey like we had with uh, Bacchus and Seabrook. That'll make it a little bit better. I... I still get mad. I know you, that, 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 I saw that face. I, 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 and I, I think I, I just gave like, Alex a horrible, dirty look. I just felt like my dad was disappointed in me in there for a minute. Donnie just looked at me. I was like, sorry, man, I'll go to my room. Dude, I, I, whoo, that, whoo, that just, okay, one quick thing before we get out of yeah. here. And, and I've just been kind of thinking about this one over the break. Is there a difference-making goaltender that that will that you think will be moved at the deadline because Ooh, that's a good question b- because one of the folks that I have seen uh, really high on a bunch of lists and I don't say this disrespectfully is Jake Allen and I think Jake Allen is a solid goaltender mm-hmm. but if you're looking at a guy that you want to bring in to put your team over the top I don't know no. that he's the one is there one of those goaltenders I'll give you two names that I think could get moved Jacob Markstrom and you can decide if he's a game-changing one or not. I mean, in Vancouver, the year in the bubble, he was a game-changing goaltender. Since he's been in Calgary, has not been. Watch out for Yusei Saros. Uh, there are some reports that he could get moved, um, especially, I, I think, I forgot who put it out there. Maybe it was Elliot Friedman, but I saw it on the fourth period earlier today. Uh, like, the L.A. Kings have been talking about it, potentially moving like a Quentin Byfield for a Yusei Saros. No, I don't think L.A. would do that because that's a massive piece to move for a goaltender. New Jersey Devils trying to get in on a goaltender. I, I think Yusei Saros could get moved because if you're Nashville, you're not making the playoffs. He's not playing into it. you got that Askarov that's in the minors that is going to be your next goalie. You want to talk about resetting the market for yourself? Go trade yourself Yusei Saros and get a, another top line winger to play with your team watch out for Soros and if Soros gets moved that team to me is going to be a Stanley Cup contender wow man. Yeah. And, and I would think that the haul that Nashville would get for that player would yeah. be substantial oh yeah the, the two names um so Quentin Byfield that I mentioned that was one of them that got meant, uh, named in the in the rumor and again this is just a rumor uh also Carolina Marty Natchez 
was another one. This is another top six centerman that's like a point-per-game player that could get moved for Yusei Saros if Carolina wants to get him. So, like, we're ta- you're not just talking prospects and picks. You're talking an NHL all-star that's coming back the other way. Wow. wow. That, which... For, and we could get into this discussion on Friday. Yeah. For the people, and I don't like the idea and hate the idea of trading Jordan Bennington, but you say Soros, who is a incredible goaltender to get that haul, what do you think a guy who always performs in the playoff could could bring back in return? Good God. Again, I hate the idea of it. I don't want to see him do it, especially if this team's going to the playoffs. You need Jordan Bennington. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But... Just think about that for a minute. Well, and that's and dude, when we start talking about Pavel Buchnevich and stuff, I think I get drunk with assets. Yeah, like I think I'm just like first round pick, second round below. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I, I, I think I just get, I think it has just become so apparent as a sports fan over the course of the last ten years mm-hmm. about you know th- those picks and how much they are assets yeah. and not just this. Like well, sort of the picks don't have to be picks. The picks get moved for players. Yes. You've got three first-round picks. That's what we thought was going to happen last year. Blues had three first-round picks. I thought two of them were going to get moved for a defenseman, and the Blues select in the top ten. And it didn't happen. Yeah. But that's why you get those first-round picks. It's not so much uh, great examples when they traded Paul Stastny. They got the first round. Or no, not Paul Stastny, Kevin Shattenkirk. They got that first-round pick. They traded that first-round pick in the deal to get Braden Shen from Philadelphia. So, like, you get first-round picks to to make other trades, not just to make those draft picks. If you're if you're the Arizona Coyotes, you make the draft picks. But if you're the Blues, maybe you make the trades. So, with this, just real quick off topic. So, the Hawks have a really good chance of maybe getting that number one pick again. Yeah, between the Hawks and the Sharks. And the Sharks. My guess is it's good. I think the, the lottery is rigged, and Chicago just got it. I think San Jose is going to get it. But then that still leaves Chicago with the number yeah, two pick. Chicago's most likely gonna be picking in the top three. So they're gonna so so this is their uh Kane and Taves yep. part two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I if I'm not mistaken, they didn't they select in the top ten the year prior to? Yeah, well, they would have because they They've got the Malkin Flurry uh Crosby trilogy starting right now. I don't want this, but I kind of do want this. I kind of want them to be better again because I really love it when the rivalry is awesome. I'm going to be so pissed if they get a top three pick because there's this six foot seven Russian defenseman that they're saying is the next headman. Yeah. And you've been talking about him. Gosh darn it. If the Chicago Blackhawks draft this guy, I'm going to be pissed. I love this guy. They've already got the friggin' Sears Tower. That would be like their second one. That's what I'm talking about. Six foot seven. Six foot seven Russian <laughs> defenseman. And they say he skates faster than most young forwards in the in the OHL. Like, what the hell are we doing? Where are you guys? This is like another Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. How are we breeding these guys? This dude was made somewhere. I want to see if there are performance-enhancing substances. <laughs> Just like Drago in Rocky IV. <laughs> Just prove it to me because I don't need this guy standing over one of my players saying, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> Come on. God, I love that movie. I mean, best Rocky movie out there out of all of them. Correct? Oh, 100%. Okay, and, but, and you know what? What I think is great about that, and, and we're going to for real wrap up here, Maybe. though. But, like, <laughs> but, but I think that's even saying something because the first four Rocky movies to me are freaking awesome. Awesome. I know. Unpopular take. I the third Rocky is the second best Rocky to me. I don't think that's an unpopular because take. That's when I of the Tiger was introduced. Bro, but dude, and you also have Hulk Hogan and Mr. T in there. Everybody movie. always goes with the first one or the second one because it's Apollo Creed and Rocky. But you get Apollo Creed and Rocky in the third one. Okay. Well, here's the thing too. Okay, the first two seem to me to be really great films and movies. Yeah, Oscar movies. 
it seems like for the third one is when I could start enjoying yeah. them more because they were less Oscar-y. You know what I'm saying? But I loved that third one. I loved the fourth one. I even liked when they did when they brought the the the, the Rocky just the Rocky oh, standalone yeah. Rocky movie. Balboa. I mm-hmm. thought that was I good. Did too. I thought I, I have not seen the Creed movies yet. Creeds but are I, good. Damn, the only one that sucks is Tommy Gunn. Which like what are we doing? Why why are we making this? And one? that was five. That right? was five. Yes. Tommy Gunner was it Tommy Morrison? Was it Tommy Morrison? I thought it was Tommy Gunn. I don't know. Are they the same Tommy person? Something. It might be. I if thought his told, name was Tommy Gunn, it, but maybe. If if you, I think it's going to be awesome if that's the same person. And I'm going to look when <laughs> we're done. Look it up when we're done. <laughs> hey, are we going to have Jr. back on Friday? Yeah, Do we Friday. know? Yeah, All he's right. going to stop being a Canadian. He'll come back to the U.S. and he'll be with us on Friday. <laughs> J- Jeremy is so sweet. He's just guys. I'm so sorry. I I, I can't be there. I'm so sorry, dude. You're in Toronto, You're in Canada, with, with Robert Thomas's parents doing a story. It's yeah. all good, man. You get to watch a game in the mecca of Canada for sports. Like we're good. Enjoy it, Jr. That would be such an amazing road trip. That's to one take. spot that I'd love to see there in Vancouver because I've heard Vancouver is just an incredible city. Well, hundred uh, percent. Sorry. When I would love to, see, and I would love to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh and, yeah, in, in Toronto. That's that one thing I've told be... Katie I want to do is I want to take a trip to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. Road trip. We'll be back on Friday for our dude, Alex Ferrario. And on the road, Jeremy Rutherford, Jamie Rivers, and always, always, always in our hearts, Mr. Jeff Burton. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.